guys, today we're going to start a series on uh, what we believe, okay? And um, this is a very important, important subject. We're, we're actually, I'm going to start it this week. It's a two-part series, okay? And uh, next week we have a missionary that's going to be with us. And I haven't, communi- I haven't talked to him yet. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to just do a window or if he's going to preach. I'll talk to him about that. But if, uh, but if he's preaching next week, which, which he possibly will be, I'll finish this two weeks from today. But, but today I just want to start a series on what we believe, Okay? It's going to be a two-part series that, uh, of what we believe as a church here at LCC Berwick. You know, it's important that you know what you believe at the church that you call home. It's important that we're on the same page. You know, in the last days, uh, the Bible says that there would be false teachers. There would be people that would just uh, mess this word up a little bit. They would preach part of this word and part of their word. Okay? And guys, how many know that if it's not 100% pure, it's not pure? But this word is pure, and that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about today. I want to talk to you about what we believe as a church. You see, over the next couple weeks, uh, I'll preach directly from our church constitution and bylaws. Now, I'll be honest with you, constitution and bylaws are not the most exciting things in the world, okay? But there is one section of our, our, of our legal document, binding document, that talks about what we believe. It's Article 5. It's our statement of faith and doctrine which are really the 16 fundamental truths of the assembly of God. Now, um, right over here on our info desk and right up here, we have this little booklet that that if you'd like to pick that up and study it or look at it a little bit further, it kind of tells you in in a little more detail than what I'm going to go through what we believe. But how many know it's important that we know what we believe? Okay, These 16 truths are what connect all assembly of God churches. No matter where you would go visit an AG church around this world, you can be assured that although music may be different, style may be different, how they dress may be different, the decor may be different, the governmental structure may be different, what we, what we believe is what we believe. See, it's also worth noting this is not just what the church believes. It's not just what the assembly of God believes. It's what I as your pastor believe. Okay, And it's what you should believe if you call LCC your home. It's one of the wonderful things about the fellowship that that we call the Assemblies of God. We all believe the same things. We believe these truths that I'm going to talk to you about. So let's go ahead and open in prayer because I've got 16 points. Now don't worry, it's a two-part sermon, okay? And you're getting the short part today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that changes us, that challenges us, Lord, that transforms us. I pray today, Lord God, that you would help us, Lord, as we look in your word to see what we believe. God, to see that every one of these truths are absolutely in your word. They're based upon your word. I pray today, Lord God, that you would bless the ministry of the word. Let it sink deep in our hearts and let us know that we're in the right place today, Lord God. We're where we belong. Believe in what we should believe. Bless this message today. Touch this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, part of being a strong and healthy church is knowing what you believe. Okay? Knowing what you stand for. Knowing what, 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 what are non-negotiables. Okay? You know, guys, believe it or not, the way we do church, that's negotiable. Okay? How many songs we sing is negotiable. What songs we sing is negotiable. How we dress is negotiable. Okay? Some of you may have never seen a preacher in a button-down shirt and cowboy boots. Okay? 
But this is me, okay? So that changes. That changes over the years, okay? You know, I've been in some beautiful sanctuaries like this one, and I've been in some sanctuaries in Mexico that, that wouldn't classify as a sanctuary. <laughs> it would be some block walls and some tin over the top, okay? And, 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 but the, the thing that brings us all together is what we believe. And that's why it's important to know that, okay? So the first thing that we believe is that these scriptures are inspired. Guys, basically, as Assembly of God people, we are people of this book. We believe in this book. Josie, it's the words in this book that change my life. Amen? It's the words in this book that make all the difference in our lives, okay? We are people of this book. The scriptures, both Old and New Testament, are verbally inspired of God and are the revelation of God to man, the infallible, authoritative rule of faith and conduct. Wow, that sounds good, doesn't it? If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. By the way, for in the back, I'm going to be reading exclusively out of the NIV version this morning, okay? So 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Let's see what it has to say to us. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, starting with verse number 15. Paul is, is, is talking to young Timothy, and here's what he says, starting in verse number 15. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture, say all scripture, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Guys, we believe that God spoke this book. We believe that God spoke through the authors of this book, and this was not man's ideas. This was not, um, this was not Paul coming up with some new ideas and, and just kind of writing some cool stuff. No, we believe that God Almighty spoke through the authors of this book, and they wrote down what God wanted to write down. And guys, this is an amazing book. Do you know this is the bestseller of all time? There's no other single book that has sold as many copies as the Holy Bible. There must be something about that book, okay? How many in here love books? My wife should be one of them, okay? By the way, you notice it was all women who lifted their hands. I'm sorry, right there. There we go. We got a guy who likes books. You'll you'll grow out of that, okay? (laughs) I'm just kidding, okay? I used to like books, and then I have a pre-med degree, and I read way too many books, okay? But but, but you ladies tend to love books, okay? And and, uh, my wife, she she reads so many books, okay? It's why her eyes are getting a little tired, okay? Okay, I better not make fun of her because I'll need those, those those helper glasses too okay but um but she loves books okay and but here's the thing once you read a book once you you usually don't read it again unless it's really really good right you kind of pass it on to your sisters or you give it to somebody else here's the thing sister Josie I've read that book a bunch of different times and every time I read it it speaks something new to me Does the book change? No, but that book is alive. That book speaks to me, Sister Valley, at different times of my life. The same scripture, Fabian, that I read today, if I read it a month from now, it speaks something, some new truth to me. Am I the only one? No, you've all been there. That book is what changes everything. And guys, we need to be people of the book. Look, the things that we do, if we can't back it up with this book, I don't know if we should be doing it. 
okay? The things that we say, if we can't back it up with the book, we might not be saying it. We need to be people of the book. We believe that all scripture is inspired by God. Amen? Does that make sense? That's pretty easy. We, th- we think we can all agree on that one. Number two, not only do we believe that all scripture is inspired, we believe that there is one true God who has revealed himself as the eternally self-existent I am, okay? The creator of heaven and earth, the redeemer of all mankind. He has further revealed himself as embodying the principles of relationship and association as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Turning your Bibles real quickly to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Verse number 4 Moses says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, he is one. The Lord is one, okay? Now, turn to Isaiah chapter number 43. Isaiah chapter number 43. By the way, we're going to be going through a lot of scripture today, okay? If you're taking notes, you might just want to jot down some of these scriptures, go back and read them. Or as I mentioned, you can pick up one of these little purple pamphlets at one of our info desks. But Isaiah chapter number 43 Verses 10 and 11, Isaiah 43, verses 10 and 11. The prophet Isaiah says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. Basically, God's saying, I am one. I am the only true God. And we believe that. You know what, guys? In this world today, there's, there's a lot of little G gods out there, okay? There's a lot of religions touting that, that what they're teaching is true. We serve the one true God. How do you know that, preacher? I know it because this word declares it, and I know it because the Spirit confirms it in me. Amen? Guys, look, I couldn't clean up my own act, okay? I couldn't have changed my own life. But the person of Jesus Christ changed everything about me. And he's changed so much about every one of you in here. Jamie, could you have changed yourself? No, you tried. Could you have cleaned up your own act? No, but the one true God, the God who said, I am, did that for you, didn't he? And he's done it for so many of us in here. And we believe that he is the one true God. Now, here's the deal. God is one, but he also exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Wow, preacher, that's kind of confusing. Well, turn with me to, uh, to Luke chapter number 3. Luke chapter number 3 gives me a great picture of God who is one uh, existing in three different persons. Luke chapter number 3. I have so many little... Uh, tabs right here. I'm having a hard time finding it. Luke chapter number three, verses 21 and 22. Here's a picture at Jesus's baptism. Okay. This is Jesus's baptism. And this is what happened. Verse number 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he was praying as he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. So there's the Holy Ghost, right? 
By the way, where's Jesus? Jesus is getting baptized. So we have Jesus the Son getting baptized. We have the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. And wait, here's the third member. And a voice came from heaven. You are my Son, whom I love, and you I am well pleased in. See, guys, that's a picture of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, you know what? I used to, uh, we used to do a lot of children's ministry in the, in the district, and, and this is an illustration that I learned from a kid's pastor, and it's probably the best illustration I ever heard on the Trinity. Now, this is not a hard-boiled egg, so I need to be very, very careful, okay? I should have boiled it, but I didn't, so hopefully I don't drop it, okay? Or the cleaning ministry will activate. <clears throat> this is what? An egg, right? Okay? Now, did you know that an egg is made up of three parts? We have the outer shell, right? Okay. Uh, If we were to crack this, and I'm not, okay, you would notice that on the inside, there's two different parts, right? There's the egg white and the egg yolk, right? So three parts in this egg, the shell, the yolk, and the white, right? Is the shell the egg? Is it an egg? Yeah. Is the yolk an egg? Is the white still an egg? Yeah. So three parts make up one egg, right? Do you kind of see the analogy there? God the Son. Is, is Jesus God? Absolutely. God the Father. Is he God? Absolutely. What about the Holy Spirit? Is he God? Absolutely. Three in one. Just like this egg, which I managed to get through the illustration without dropping. Okay? And everybody in the cleaning ministry said, Amen. Okay? So guys, we believe in the Trinity. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all three just as much God, but they're separate. They, they're whatever you need to be. Here, you know, here's what I love about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he's your friend. He's your counselor. He's your comforter. He's your helper. He's what you need him to be. Amen? And he's just as much God as God the Son and as God the Father. So we believe that, in, that there is one true God. And he exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, what do we believe? We believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. Here's what the scriptures declare about him. That he was born of a virgin. Wow, if we just stopped right there and camped out for a moment, let that one sink in. He was born of a virgin. Really? Turn with me to Luke chapter number 1. Luke chapter number 1, we have the story here of Jesus' birth. Luke chapter number 1, I'm going to start reading actually in verse number 26. It says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. 
Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. That's good stuff, huh? Verse 34, Mary says, How will this be? Mary asked the angel. I am still a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Basically, guys, the Holy Spirit impregnated her with Jesus. He placed that in her womb. Guys, it's only happened once. It hadn't happened again. Okay, in spite of what some teenager may try to say, okay, in spite of, no, 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 it's only happened once. There was only one virgin birth, and it was the Son of God. You know, guys, when you think about all the miracles that happened for Jesus to come to this earth, it's amazing. One of them is his virgin birth. The second thing we believe about Jesus is his sinless life. Guys, let let, let that sink in for a second. Jesus walked this earth for 33 and a half years and Seth, he didn't sin once. Some of us can't make it 33 and a half minutes, okay? On a Monday morning at work, some of you can't make it 33 seconds, okay? But think about it, 33 and a half years, Jared, and he never sinned once. Preacher, you're gonna have to prove that one to me. Okay, here it goes. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter number seven. Hebrews chapter number 7. Hebrews chapter number 7, verse number 26. Verse number 26. Hebrews 7 and 26, the Bible says, Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. That high priest they're talking about is Jesus. That same high priest that Paul wrote to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter number 4. Turn with me there. Hebrews chapter number 4 verses 14 through 16. You've heard me read this so many times at prayer time in our church. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but have one who has been tempted and Every way, yet as we are, yet he was without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Guys, we believe that Jesus Christ never sinned once. Thirdly, we believe in his miracles. We believe in his miracles. You can read the book of Acts that talk about his miracles. One of the greatest things I believe is at the very end of the book of John. Turn with me there. The very last scripture in the book of John. Now, John had a real relationship with Jesus. He had a real intimate relationship with Jesus. He and Jesus was really tight and everybody knew it. Okay? You know, guys, uh, Jesus treated everybody fairly, but he didn't treat everybody the same. Did you know that? He had 12 disciples, okay, and he had three that were really special to him, James, uh, John, and Peter. Peter, James, and John. It, It sounds better when I start with Peter. Peter, James, and John, they were special, and everybody knew it. And then there was one that was really special. His name was John. 
They called him the beloved, okay? So did he treat everybody the same? No, he treated everybody fairly, but there was one who was really, really special, and John was his name. And at the very end of the book of John, John writes this in verse number 24 and 25. This is the disciple who testifies to these things, who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. When he talks about many other things, he talks about miracles. He talks about great things he did. If every one of these were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. You read about all the miracles, Seth. You read about the gospels that are full of all the miracles Jesus did. And that's just the cliff notes of everything he did. How many of you went to college? You remember cliff notes? That's what you get when you don't want to read the book. Okay? I could be called Mo Cliff Notes Seneca. Okay? Because I didn't want to read the book. Okay? I just want to read the cliff notes. I just want to read the highlights. I just want to kind of get the, the, the summary. Okay? Did you realize the Gospels are just the cliff notes of everything Jesus did? They're just the summary, Sister Eloise, of all the good things that he did. John said it himself. If we were to fill the books of of the world up with everything Jesus did, I don't know if we had enough books. Okay? That's pretty amazing, huh? That We serve a Jesus who did miracles 2,000 years ago, and he still does them today. Amen? We don't believe that miracles have stopped. We don't believe that the time of miracles have stopped. We believe that Jesus still does miracles. We also believe that Jesus took our place on the cross. We believe in what we call the substitutionary work on the cross by Jesus. Guys, it was our sins that put him there. It was our sins that demanded a payment. We should have been the ones on the cross. We should have been the ones paying that price. But Jesus paid the price for our sins. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 3. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 3. Paul writes, For what I received I passed on to you, as of the first importance that Christ died for our sins according to to the scriptures. He died for our sins, guys. 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, guys, we're full of sin. Jesus was empty of sin. He was void of sin. And he took our place on the cross. He paid the price that we owed. And he did it just for you. But we believe that things didn't end on the cross. Three days after he was killed and buried, he, 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 he rose from the dead. Now, guys, look, I got to tell you, if this was a movie, you'd be going, this is too good to be true. <laughs> if, this, if, this was, if Hollywood would try to make this up right now, Fabian, you'd be like, what are they smoking? This is crazy. Virgin birth, miracles, all these amazing things, sinless life, and now he raises from the dead? How can this be? Well, guys, it can be in the person of Jesus Christ. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verses 4 through 8. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 4 through 8. Let's see what the Bible says about that. Verses 4 through 8. Again, we already read verse number 3. 
For what I received, I passed on to you of the first importance that Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And he appeared to Peter and to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me. That's what Paul says. Guys, he physically rose from the dead. Now, guys, that doesn't happen. Anybody ever seen that happen before? No, it doesn't happen. But it happened in the person of Jesus. Amen? And that's why we believe he is who he says he is. And where is he today? Where is Jesus today? He is exalted at the right hand of God. He is at the right hand of the Father today doing what? Making intercession for you and I. Praying for us. Saying, God... Father, touch him. Father, help Fabian at work tomorrow. Father, um, uh, touch, touch that person. Touch that student at school tomorrow. Lord, help Hayden on that test. Lord, do whatever, okay? That's what Jesus is doing. He's making intercession at the right hand of God at this moment. We believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fourthly, we believe in the fall of man. We believe man was created good and upright. For God said, let us make man in our image after our own likeness. However, man by voluntary transgression fell and incurred not only physical death, but also spiritual death, which is separation from God. You can go home and read about this in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, the original fall of man. But let's read what Paul had to say in Romans chapter number 5. Romans chapter number 5, Paul talks a little bit about the fall of man, beginning in verse number 12. Verse number 12 of Romans chapter number 5, Paul writes this. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments. I'm sorry, that's chapter number 6. Let's try that over again. Romans chapter number 5, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as Adam did, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? You see, guys, death came into this world through Adam's sin. Jesus overcame all of that by giving his life for you and I. Man fell. Man made a tragic mistake. Man has continued to deal with the fallout from sin. But there's one cure from sin. 
It's not found in a course. It's not found in 12 steps. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? So we believe in the fall of man. We believe also in the salvation of man. See, man's only hope of redemption is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Did you know there are conditions to salvation? Did you know that? The Bible teaches that. Salvation is received through repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, being justified by grace through faith, man becomes an heir of God according to the hope of eternal life. In John 3, 3, Jesus says a man must be born again. Amen? A man must be born again. And then in Romans chapter number 10, Romans chapter number 10, verses 13 through 15, the Bible says this, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on one who they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they preach unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Guys, there's good news. Man fell, yes, but man can be saved through Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter number two, and I'm almost done. Ephesians chapter number two. The baby's excited that I'm almost done. Ephesians chapter number two, verse number eight. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that any man can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Guys, we believe that there are conditions to salvation. We also believe that there's evidence of salvation. There's evidence of salvation. The inward evidence of salvation is the direct witness of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8 and 16, it says, the Spirit bears witness with us that we are children of God. Amen? We're children of God. There's an inward evidence. There's also an outward evidence. How many know that to be true? We have to see a different life. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creature. The old has passed away. Everything becomes new. Guys, there has to be an inward evidence and an outward evidence. You need to stop doing the things you used to do. When you say that Christ is your Lord and Savior, you stop acting like the devil. Amen? You stop going to the places you used to go to. You stop doing the things you used to do. Amen? Yesterday, we got together with some men. We had a wonderful little men's breakfast, and and I was talking to the men about the importance of a reputation. A reputation is what people think you are, okay? And, and once you come to Christ, your reputation's going to change. J.D. was shaking his head and said, I'm sure glad my reputation's changed, okay? Janet, aren't you glad his reputation's changed too? And you know what I taught the men? I said, you know what? Reputation's important, but character is even more important. And if you take care of your character, your reputation will take care of itself. Amen? Because reputation is what people think you are. Character is what God knows you are. Amen? So if we'll just take care of our character, if we'll let God truly touch us and deal with the issues in our lives, our reputation will take care of itself. So what does that have to do with evidence of salvation? We need to see some evidence. (laughs) We need to see that you act a little differently, that you talk a little differently. There was a time that most Seneca couldn't have talked this long without slipping a few cuss words. But that's the old mo. The new mo 
that's not on the inside anymore. Amen? And that's just one illustration, guys. We need to live differently. We need to act differently. We need to be different. Amen? We believe in the salvation of man. We also believe that there are some ordinances of the church. And what are they? Number one, baptism in water. The ordinance of baptism by immersion is commanded in scriptures. All who repent and believe on Jesus as their Savior are to be baptized. Thus they declare to the world that they have died with Christ and that they are raised again with him to walk in newness of life. That's why we have that baptismal back there. That's why we do baptisms on a regular basis. Because baptism is a public profession of a, of a private conversion. Okay, what God does in your heart when you go through the waters of baptism, you're just telling everybody that I'm serving Jesus now, that I'm doing things God's way. If you haven't been baptized yet in water since you've been saved, you need to be. You need to sign up. We need to do that. Well, pastor, I don't like water. I don't care. Okay, I'm not. I'm going to bring you back up. I'm a big old guy. I remember when I got when I got saved, I was about this size. I was playing college football and. Our pastor was really, really skinny, kind of like Pastor Ronnie skinny. A little taller, but Pastor Ronnie skinny, okay? And the joke with the men's were, uh, with the men, the men's were, <laughs> sounded like my, my aunt right there. Uh, the joke with the men was, could Pastor Moore actually bring Mo back up, okay? And, and, and in fact, Brother Moore whispered to me, he said, hey now, big boy, help me up a little bit, okay? <laughs> Some of the guys in the church were like, pull him down with you. This will be fun, okay? It was before the days of video, okay? But they would have videoed this one. But, 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 but here's the deal, guys. We need to make that public profession. We need to stand up and say, you know what? I'm different today because of Jesus. So if you haven't been baptized in water, you need to be. So what's another ordinance of the church? Holy communion. It's why we do it on a regular basis. The Lord's Supper, consisting of the elements of bread and, and, and juice, is the symbol of expressing our sharing the divine nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. A memorial of his suffering and his death, a prophecy of his coming again, and is enjoyed on all believers till he comes. Why do we do communion? Because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And he told us to do it until when? Till he comes. Okay? Two more items and we're almost done. We believe in the baptism in the Holy Ghost. You see, all believers are entitled to and should ardently expect and earnestly seek the promise of the Father, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire, according to the commands of Jesus Christ. This was the normal experience of all the early Christian church. When it com- with it comes the endowment of power for life, and service, the bestowment of gifts and their uses in the work of the ministry. Turn with me to Acts chapter number one. You know, guys, you can't talk about the Holy Ghost and not go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, but it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And I believe the book of Acts is still being written today because the Holy Spirit is alive and well. Amen? So look at Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one, starting with verse number four. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is Jesus talking. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Continuing on. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates of the father that he set by his own authority, but you shall receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, guys, to give us power. Power to live right. Power to witness. This experience is distinct from and subsequent to the experience of the new birth. Look at Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8, beginning with verse number 12. This is an amazing story right here. Acts chapter number 8, verse number 12. The Bible says, But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. That's talking about baptizing water. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. Then Peter and John placed their hands on him and they received the Holy Spirit. You see, guys, the baptism in the Holy Spirit happens after you're saved. It's a gift from God, okay? With the baptism in the Holy Ghost comes such experiences as an overflowing fullness of God. In Acts chapter number 4, it talks about Peter. It says he was full of the Holy Ghost and he began to preach. A deepened reverence for God, an intensified consecration to God and dedication to his work, and a more active love for Christ, for his word, and for the lost. As I mentioned earlier, the Holy Spirit wants to be your friend. He wants to be your comforter. He wants to be your counselor, your helper. He wants to be whatever you need him to be. And finally, we believe in the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Just like there's evidence to salvation, there's evidence to baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism of believers in the Holy Ghost is witnessed by the initial physical sign of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them utterance. What, what? Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2. Remember, Jesus told the believers to go to Jerusalem and to pray and to seek him. Well, here's the answer to that prayer. Acts chapter number 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Speaking in tongues in this instance are the same in essence as the gift of tongues, but different in purpose and in use. Whew, that was a lot. (laughs) But guys, that's what we believe. That's what we believe. 